Well, church, why don't we stand to our feet? Well, again, today we have the privilege of coming into the house of God. We have the privilege of worshiping our King. So this morning, as we start, I'm just going to pray that God will help us to lay down all those things that have taken place this week, those distractions, the stuff, right? And we're going to put the stuff down, and we're going to honor Him, because He's the one who can take care of all the stuff, right? And so, Father God, we come into the house today, and we say we are here to worship you. We are here to honor you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We say we declare right now that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are amazing, and you are worthy of our praise. So, Father, we come into the house today expecting, believing that you are here, that you will move, that you will touch where you need to touch. We believe this, we honor you, and we say thank you for being such an amazing God. So let's worship him with all of our heart, with all of our strength. Let's push every hindrance aside and give glory to the king. an accident that the next generation is under this tent and I actually feel like this morning there's actually been some mindset things that have been healed and I actually feel like um, as we have stepped into the holiness of God as we have declared he is holy as we have put aside who we are to say God you are holy you are everything you are almighty you are the past, the present, and the future, and as we do that and we acknowledge that God is who He is, then it changes us. And when we allow Him to change who we are, it changes the future generation. And so this morning, can you put your hands out to this generation? And God, I declare that new things will start. I declare that where there has been generational bondage, that those things are broken right now. Not just on the ones that are under the tent, but on this community, on this city, on this region, God. That what you have for this generation would be deposited today. That they would go out into their community, they would go out into this city, and that they would change things. That they would shift things, that they would move things. And God, I just pray that any darkness, any demonic powers, any evil that is trying to get them, I say it is done. God, that you would create a tent around them, that you would be a banner of protection over them, that you would be in front of them, behind them, and all around them from this day forward in such a new way, such a powerful way, and such an incredible way, God, that you would have your way. 
God, I pray a blessing over this generation. And God, I pray a blessing over the parents, over the grandparents, over the spiritual fathers, over the spiritual mothers, that God, you would give us wisdom in how to release this generation. That you would give us insight on how we can step out of the way so that they can step into their calling. God, I thank you for a multi-generational church. I thank you that the grandparents are needed. I thank you that the babies are needed. I thank you that the middle-aged are needed. God, I thank you that the teenagers are needed. And God, I thank you that as we come together as a family, you're glorified. That as we come together and just walk out life, that you can do your thing. You know, we wanted to pray for the kids today, and this is just the right moment, obviously, to do it. But I don't know if you're seeing what's going on. But I'm, I'm standing up here and I'm having a realization that God is going to disturb the way that we've done church for years and years and years and years. You know, if you look at the stats in the church today, the amount of young people running from the church is through the roof. The numbers are absolutely ridiculous. But today I'm watching the next generation at the front of our church honoring our king and having a little bit of fun doing it. I'm going to tell you something. God's going to disrupt the way we've done church because it's not just about the rituals. It's not about the three songs, the announcements, and the word. It's about shifting the next generation. It's about shifting communities. Because God cares about this generation, and guess what? He doesn't want to leave them behind. So even for some of us right now, this might be a little hard for us. But that's okay. Because it's not hard for them. And this is something the Lord wants to do. Oh, I could pray a lot, but Di, I'm going to ask you just to pray over this generation. Well, I would like to invite the kids that aren't up here to come on up. Come on up here. Up to grade 12 even. Come on up here, you guys. Oh. Chris said we've been in a season where children and kids have been, teens have been running from the church. But this morning you saw them running in the church, running through the church, running all around the church. And they're going to love the church. They're going to love the bride of Christ. They're going to love. They're going to love the kingdom of God. They're going to love knowing Jesus. They're going to walk in signs and wonders. They're going to walk in boldness and in power. Oh, God, so this morning, we anoint these ones. We love them. They're heading into school this week. So we say, bless them, keep them, shine upon them. Let your glory show all over them. Protect them, cover them from every side, every side, every side. Covered all around, over top, underneath, on every side. Christ in them, around them, all about them. All power. Pour all your power over them. Pour all your glory over them. Oh, God, may they know the love of Jesus. May they know the love of Jesus all around, all around. Amen. 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 So be it, Lord. We agree. We agree. We agree. Well, you know what's fun is I'm seeing some other folks that have made their way up front too, right? Some of our seniors and others, well... 
When God looks at it, you're his kids. And guess what? We're all allowed to come under the banner of our king. We're allowed to raise our hands. We're allowed to dance. We're allowed to have fun in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. I met with a young individual in the city of Spruce Grove that set up this meeting between us. He was a young kid that went to the high school, and he was getting in a ton of fights. And the city asked me, they said, would you meet with this guy? We're not sure what to do with him. He's getting into these fights. We don't know what to say to him. So I said, sure, I'll meet with this guy. And so I sit down with this kid and I'm trying to have a conversation with him. And, you know, it's not going too far. He's not responding to me at all. And I finally look at him and I say, you know, we're both going to be stuck in this room until we just have this conversation. So let's just get this done so you can leave and I can leave. And he looks at me and says, you want to know why I want to get in these fights? I said, yeah, I do. Why are you fighting? He goes, well, actually, my goal is to get into 100 fights. 100 fights while I'm in high school. I said, 100 fights. I'm like, how do the other guys feel about this? Don't care. My goal is 100 fights. I said, well, why 100 because I figure if I have 100 fights, I will be strong enough to be able to go and find my dad. And when I find my dad, I'm going to be able to beat my dad because my dad beat my mom. My dad abused me. And then I'm going to go find my stepdad. And I'm going to do the exact same thing to him because he did the same thing. And I sat there and I looked at this kid. I said, so what you're telling me is this you want to be just like your dad. And he looked at me with his anger in his eyes. Haven't you heard a word I said? I don't want to be anything like my dad. And as he said that, he looked at me and was, oh. the moment kicked in. Oh my goodness, I'm exactly, what am I doing? And he said to me, I don't know what to do. How do I get rid of this? What do I have to do? See, forgiveness isn't just about the other person. It's about us. And in that moment, I said, you got to do the very thing you don't want to do. you got to forgive your dad. I mean, I watched this kid come in so hard, and all of a sudden he's in tears and he's crying. And I watched him forgive his dad right there in that moment. I don't know where his journey's at today. Yeah, give a hand for that. But I'm telling you something. Whatever it is, whatever our right is to hold on to that bitterness, to that resentment. I mean, I've been through it, man. I have a past. I have some people I was pretty angry at. But God has changed my heart. And because I forgave those people, it's all fallen to the ground. So I just want you to take the next 30 seconds. And before you actually come up, Take the next 30 seconds and then just come up and take the elements to your seat. And then I'm going to lead you in communion once everybody's seated. Just take the next 30 seconds. And I want you in your hearts just to grab a hold of those moments, those situations. You know, 90% of the time it's always our parents. But maybe it's our siblings or our friends or back in grade 7 or 8 when that moment happened and somebody humiliated us or bullied us. It doesn't matter. Maybe you're a young person in this room. I don't care how old you are. 
and something's happened, it's just as important for you to learn to actually forgive. Chris is going to speak this morning. It's going to be awesome. Bless you. We've all been called for the work of our king. Amen? So what a beautiful body we have here. But one thing I think we all know and we have to always remember and we always have to come to the river, right? It's vital that we come to the river. And I know for some people they're saying, well, what is a river? Well, the river is simply we come to the source of all the power, which is our King and our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't come to the river and get filled up, we have nothing to give. And so it's vital that we actually always come to the river. And the good news is, is we can do that today, and we did do that today. But even the better news is this, is you can do this any day of the week, right? You can come to the river when you're at work. You can come to the river when you're in your car and somebody's just cut you off, right? We can always come to the river. In fact, we should always be coming to the river because when we do this, he gives us something, and then we get to give it to others. And more than that, you get to watch how you respond to everything that happens. Right? How many of you have made a few errors in how you've responded to situations? Yeah, a few of us, right? Especially when we're driving. Well, I'm telling you, I, I believe there's a solution to that, and it's this, come to the river. Don't wait until Sunday to come back to the river, right? Don't do that. You got to go to the river every single day, tonight, tomorrow morning. Go to the river before you go to work, when you come home from work, right? Go to the river, right? Amen? Come on, church. Well, I talked a while ago about uh, four things that I felt the Lord was going to expand in not just our church, but the church. And I'm just going to touch on that quickly uh, because we got about 30 minutes here. But when I shared, I felt like the Lord wanted to expand these four areas. And I feel like he's he's putting his fingerprint on these areas, right? And there's way more than these four areas. But the four areas were, again, discipleship. I feel like, and I'm going to talk more about this today, but I feel like the time to disciple is upon us now. And I'm not talking about just the pastors in the church I'm talking about everybody in this body, that the season for discipleship couldn't be more important than it is today, right? Whether that's in regards to discipling your kids, whether that's in regards to discipling uh, people in the church who are younger in their faith, regardless of their age, they could be 60 and a brand new Christian, they need to be discipled. But when we read the word, it actually goes a little further than that, and it says we're actually called to disciple the nations, Right? We're actually called as a church not just to disciple each other. This is what Andrew's talking about. We don't just keep doing this. Right? There's a point where we have to do this. We have to disciple outwards as well. So God has said, I want you to disciple the nations, which means this. We get to disciple each other. We get to disciple our kids. We get to disciple our community. We get to disciple our nation, and we get to disciple the nations. This is our call. And we do this in many different ways. The second thing was this, was capacity. Right? Anybody feeling heavy? Right? Anybody feeling just that heaviness that comes? And sometimes we actually, when that heaviness comes, I was just talking to Di about this this morning, you know, that I'm actually walking into some new things. I preached on this a while ago. And sure enough, right after I preach on it, right, God's saying, yeah, I'm going to do that with you. 
right? So we're actually going to expand your capacity. So I've experienced some things in the last year that I've never experienced in my life, right? My wife here is a counselor, right? And my wife loves at about 10 o'clock at night to, you know, ask me some questions. And then about two minutes, I look at her and I say, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you about something, right? I used to believe that this whole thing of anxiety and stuff was not real. Yeah, thank you. We got one person laughing about it. Everybody else is like, oh, it's real. It's not a funny matter at all, right? So I know that. I'm telling you something, man. I used to always say, I don't know. I feel like this whole thing is a bit of an excuse and all that kind of stuff. You know, this is the, the, the thought pattern I had, and it was like, you just don't have enough faith. You know, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, I deal with anxiety. I mean, we go through an interesting season. Some things have happened, and I'm like, what's going on inside of me? I'm carrying more, I'm working in the community, I'm working with the city, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And all of a sudden I'm feeling these weird things and I'm thinking, why am I feeling this way? Where's the pill? I need a pill. Go give me a pill, Jan. Jan's like, oh, I don't think you need a pill. You need a lot more than that. You know? She goes, why don't you sit up now and have a little discussion with me? I'm not doing that. Well, I'm telling you, if it gets bad enough, you're going to do that. Because I did do that. I sat up and I said, fine, do your thing. Let me see it. And I finished, and I went, oh, my goodness, it works. I'm like, wow, it is kind of like, you know, when you you get a cut, we don't just go, Jesus, stop the bleeding. No, no, i got to get a Band-Aid, right? But sometimes we get stuff going on in our body, and we need to do something about it. So I realized, again, my body's just manifesting the fact that I'm carrying more, right? That's all it is. And I'm telling you something. I've said this, that I believe God's going to actually expand all of our capacity, So again, what that means is this, is the things in the past are not going to seem heavy anymore. And I'm going to be honest with you. The things that I used to do, they're not the things that are heavy. It's the new things. It's the things I've never walked in before. I've never done this. I'm intimidated of this a little bit. I got to do a meeting on Tuesday, I mean, with our entire city council and all these people. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to do this stuff. I'm not very good at this stuff. Get somebody else to do it. Get Kelsey to do it. He'd be better. No, Kelsey, say not a chance, right? Because <laughs> I'm already thinking of what could go wrong. I'm thinking of all these things I don't need to think about, right? And I'm going to get into this a little more as we go on. But I'm telling you something, man. God is developing our capacity. But here's what he doesn't want us to do. And here's the temptation, right? Is when he's starting to expand our capacity and it gets hard, there's a part of us that wants to do this. Actually, I liked that better. <laughs> it was much easier. So I think I'm actually going to pull out of all this. I'm just going to go back to that. Because that was much easier. Let me tell you, I'm going to get into this a little bit more. Because this is such a reality. How many things have we pulled out of because that fear kicks in, right? The anxieties kick in. You know, and we are so tempted to just back up. I mean, in a couple minutes, we're going to go through Mark 4, and we're going to go through some of the scripture on this. But I mean, there is an element to this where God is just saying, come on, people, right? Where's your faith? Don't back up. I never promised it was going to be easy, right? But don't back up. And so I want to encourage you with that today, that if God is already expanding your capacity, and you're feeling some weight, right? Right? Please don't back up. 
please don't abandon whatever it is that he's calling you to, right? Everything that we're doing, it's going to take a little bit of blood, a little bit of sweat, and sometimes it's going to stress us out a little bit too, right? You know, the other thing I touched on was boldness, and I was thinking about this, right? I feel like, again, we're walking in this season where boldness is actually going to be at the core of who we are. But I thought, well, how do you become bold? Like, when you're bold, you need to know what you're talking about. And I thought, I know when I talk to Henry about vehicles, there's a boldness that comes out of him because he knows I have no clue what I'm talking about. (laughs) Right? He just says, no, that's not true. This is true. Right? That's it. I mean, you can talk to Ben about real estate, and he's going to have a boldness because he knows exactly what he's talking about. You know, he can. But sometimes we can't actually function in this boldness because we're not exactly sure what we're talking about. So God's going to challenge us. Oh, man, you need to have the Word of God where? Hidden in your what? Hidden in your hearts. Right? No more two months and I might have got to my Word. No, He wants the Word of God hidden in our hearts. Because He wants us to know what we're talking about. In fact, we'll actually take more steps of boldness when we're confident that way. It's called faith. Right? And this is how He develops our faith. He gives us the opportunity to be bold, but he's saying don't neglect the things that will get you there, right? It's vital to our journey. And the fourth thing I talked about then was joy. And again, I just think joy is the byproduct when the church is functioning in the call that it's supposed to function in, right? I think testimonies are going to come. I think we're going to hear testimonies from your guys' journey. This is not supposed to be easy, right? I'm not surprised you're having passport issues. I mean, we've got an enemy, right, who wants to thwart this. He wants it done with. Of course there's going to be issues. You know, but again, once they push through and get through all the stuff that wants to encompass your minds, right? It can take over the mind and it can take your, your, your focus off of why you're actually going. Right? But actually when you push through it again, right, realizing he's just developing your capacity here for something, and you see what he does and you come home with a testimony here and a testimony there. There's a joy that starts to come in our heart. I'm telling you, I know that people in this room need joy, right? I know it. And I'm telling you, the reason why you don't have that joy is you're like me in some ways. I have gone to the world for this joy, thinking it will come in these, all these different forms. But it betrays. It always betrays. Because joy doesn't come from the world. It comes from our king. And that's it. And so in order to have that joy, right, we got to actually be about the mission of our king, right? You know, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, Mark shared a few weeks ago, and, you know, he often talks about this challenging us when it comes to, you know, taking more steps of faith. And he actually used these words. He says, it's about time that we start leaving our self-serving systems, right? That's the word he used, is it's time to leave our self-serving systems. The things that keep us safe, right? And I actually spoke about this too. I feel like the season is upon the church when we're about to abandon our safety nets. Ouch. But I like that safety net. Sometimes that safety net feels pretty good, doesn't it? But we weren't actually created for that, right? right? And he's going to challenge each of us. And if there's a restlessness in you, it's because he's actually pushing you along the journey. Because he's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, it's not why I created you. 
Didn't create you for safety. <laughs> Actually, he says a lot about that, and we're going to get into that. Right? We sang a song a few weeks ago, and I love this one, right? It actually has these words, and it says, Shake off the ground of all my traditions. Break down the walls of all my religion. Oh, man. Do we even realize how much of that's in us? You know, I often tell people, I'm so glad in some ways that I came into this whole thing, you know, as a non-believer, right, getting saved at 17, because I did not get educated all the way up. Right? I am not just educated about our king. I've encountered our king. And I honestly believe that we have a lot of people in the churches that have been educated, but they've never encountered him. Oh, come on. It's true. Right? Sometimes as parents, and I've been guilty of this, I've been more interested in the behavior of my kids. You've got to look and act like a Christian because you're the pastor's son or daughter. Right? So I want to see you behave a certain way. I want to see you function a certain way. It means absolutely nothing if they haven't encountered the king. And so again, we have to encounter our king in everything we do. We need to break off all of these traditions. Do you realize, like again, like this morning, even our worship, the way it went, right? For some of us, that's probably hard. And it's different, right? It is. It's hard for me, to be honest with you. You guys know how I dance, right? I, I do this, and that's it. I'm not moving much more than that, right? You know, I mean, Andrew comes up and says, can you hold this thing up? I'm like, I don't want to hold this thing up. <laughs> right? Not at all. But again, I realized something. Right? I was trained, I was equipped, I was raised a certain way. And I actually have a lot of tradition. I just don't realize where it is. It's just what we do. What, you're telling me we've got to do it differently now? Oh, come on, we're in... In a journey with the king, a king's in the Lord of Lords, and he loves new wineskins, and he shifts and he changes things. That's what he does. That's who he is. Just when you start to find something you like, because then you're going to lift it up and make a golden calf out of it, oh, he's going to change it. So all these expressions in churches, I'm telling you, folks, you better lay them down. Because he's going to change it as soon as you start to lift it up, and it's all about that. It is not about that. It's not about the expressions, right? We're going to get to this, right? I'm going to give you some stats a little later on. I'm going to cheat a bit. I'm not, I don't want you to bring that up yet, but honestly, I want you to hear this. Like, one of the stats is this, is that the church in Canada is fully in decline, right? Fully in decline. Like, there is a po- negative, you know, we're going backwards when it comes to the Christian growth rate in our nation. In fact, the United Church and the Methodist Church, they believe in 10 years, will probably be non-existent. Right? This is what's actually happening in our nation. They believe youth, I mean, they're, they're fading away in, in crazy amount of numbers. Right? And, and it's, it's just... Here's the part. It's the same, actually, in both the charismatic churches... And the non-charismatic churches. It's the same. So it's not about the expression. Right? That's what I'm trying to, it's not about that. It's about the encountering the king of kings and being willing to shift and change as he says, go left, go left. When he says, go right, go right. So he's going to challenge our mindsets. And as soon as you get locked in one, he's going to challenge it again. And for whatever reason, he's chosen community church to be one of those churches who's going to mess with your mindsets a bit. Right? Honestly, like I know we have people who come here, sometimes they leave and say, are you guys crazy? 
I don't think we're crazy. I don't. You know, I've heard that from my friends. Like, you guys are a little bit off your rocker over there, right? You know what? No, 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 no. It's a different expression. It's not bad. Not one of these expressions is the one. It's about your heart. You know that, right? You know, I watch Rick Ray's a beautiful person to me. I mean, I just watch him sit in these pews, and I know what he's doing. He's just loving on God from the beginning to the end. And I see some of you young people up here. I'm like, I don't want to do that, but I know you're just loving on God. It looks different, right? And I've shared this in the past that when my kids come to hug me, right, my daughter used to come and just jump in my arms, right? Can't stand up for a second. My son would do this, right? But I accept them both because they're coming from my kids, right? I'm not going to reject them no matter what, right? Well, I believe that we're in a season where God's trusting us with more. And I'm not just talking about our church, but I am talking about our church, right? I believe God is shifting things, right? I believe we're in a season where he's saying, I'm actually going to trust you with more. And as he's developing our individual capacities, I believe he's going to actually develop our church capacity, right? Because again, there's a temptation to get locked into one thing and God's going to say, I'm way bigger than that. So you can be way bigger than that. You can expand your vision. Don't get locked in. He's going to challenge us on all this. So I think we're in a season where God's going to tell us to abandon our safety nets. I want to go into Mark 4 for a bit. I'm looking at the clock, and I realize I've got 10 minutes left to get a lot in. So we're going to see what happens here. But in Mark 4, I think I would love to just preach on the whole chapter. I mean, I love what Andrew's saying. Uh, I've said this before. We've heard from so many of our speakers, it's harvest season. It's harvest season, right? You know, and I mean, the whole first part of Mark 4 is all about sowing seed, right? I want to encourage you. I'm not going to read the whole first part. I'm going to tell you, you need to read this again and challenge yourself. Because even in this scripture, right, he's speaking in parables, which is basically like riddles. You know, and right in the chapter, it says he speaks to them, but yet they still don't understand what he's saying, right? So he has to simplify it even more for these guys, Right? And there's, there's something to that. Right? Because he speaks in these riddles because he realizes this. Right? Just like I'm going to speak today or the, you glance over the scripture tomorrow or you get your little scripture that pops up on your phone, you're going to read it, but tomorrow you're going to forget about it. Right? I mean, how many of you remember all the messages from a year ago? You know, how often do we just forget about it? So he speaks in a riddle. Why? Because he wants people to investigate it. Right? He wants them to actually search it out to go after it, to get the Word of God where? In their hearts. Because when they seek it out and it becomes part of who they are, he knows they'll function in faith. So he knows in this situation, right, there's a problem. You guys don't even get this. What do I have to work with? And then he challenges them even further. I'm going to challenge you with this slightly today, but more in the future. Oh, don't put your lamp under a lampstand. His words, not mine. You are a lampstand. He doesn't want your lamp hidden, right? Because he knows that we are the hands and the feet of everything he wants to do on this earth, right? We have everything we need to shift and change communities. We are the light, right? We get to carry this light because we represent him, right? So we're not called to hide our lampstand. But what I want to focus on is the end of this chapter. And we're all familiar with this. 
But I mean, every time I read this, I just get more and more and more and more out of it. And so let me just grab it here. This is when uh, we're all familiar, when Jesus calms the storm. It says, And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let's go across to the other side. I mean, I love that statement right there. We could pause and preach for five minutes, right? Because Jesus has literally made a statement, let's go to the other side, right? So when Jesus says something, it's going to happen. When he says to do a mental health conference, you do it because Jesus said to do it, right? When he says, I want you to do these barbecues, just do it. Well, what are, what's, what are we going to do? It doesn't matter. Just do it. I told you to do it, right? So by faith, I want you to do this. So again, I know he's spoken to every single one of you in this room. Whatever it is, but it doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to. If you're going to try to make sense of the scripture, good luck. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense because, again, it's about increasing your faith. Right? That's what he's trying to do every day because he knows if he does it, if he accomplishes it, everything shifts and changes. And the very things we're praying for will actually happen. I'm going to tell you where I'm not putting my trust, not in politicians. Politicians are not the ones that change the earth. They're not. If we do that, we're making a big mistake. It's Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. We pray for our politicians, but they're not going to shift our community. Jesus is. That's just the truth. So you want to see everything shift, we have the good news. We're called to share the good news. So again, Jesus says, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took uh, him with them in the boat just as he was. So again, Jesus is preaching on a boat, right, to the crowds right in front of him. Right? He's been preaching all day. He's sweaty and he's dirty and all this stuff. And so they take him just as he is, right? And so we know as we go forward here and he's about to go to sleep, right, there's a reason for it. He's exhausted and he's tired, right? Oh, yeah, let me grab where I was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was, but he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Oh, man, how many times have we said that to him? The circumstance that we're going through right now, right? Why are you sleeping? Do you not see how hard this is? They're mad at him because he's sleeping, right? And he awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? <laughs> and they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. I think, you know what? This is such a, a powerful scripture because this is a mundane thing now. He finished preaching to the crowds. He finished Sunday church. This moment was done. He got in a boat, went to sleep, a mundane task, driving to work, wherever it is that you're called to go. He simply told them, we're going to the other side. They could have walked around. They could have done it any other way. But he knew what was about to happen. He knew the storm would come. In fact, that's part of what's supposed to happen. Because yeah. the storm is the very thing that's going to shift their journey in life. 
The storm is the very thing that's going to build their faith. Got to remember, these guys were fishermen. I mean, they've been in storms many times. So this was a massive storm, but Jesus is still saying the same thing. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? I said we're going to the other side. The mundane things are just as important because he's teaching you tomorrow when you go to work wherever it is. Why is this so hard? Why do I feel this way? Because he's building your capacity. He's shifting everything. He's trying to get a church that's full of faith, full of boldness. Because when he builds that church, that church changes everything. I mean, he's given us a practice field right here Sunday after Sunday. (laughs) It is still hard. Right? It is. All the things we go through in here, all our insecurities rise up in the church world too. He's trying to get us to overcome all this stuff so that we can actually go out there and be his body. So all these mundane moments are powerful and we're meant to go through them. I want to grab just this one scripture. Uh, James 1, 2 to 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking what? Lacking nothing. Nothing at all. That's what he wants. I got three minutes to finish. Oh, Lord, give me some faith that I can do this, man. I mean, I'm literally thinking of Moses, right? Like Rick Ray sent me a text this last week. He said, you remember Moses? I said, yeah, I remember Moses. He said, one thing I'll tell you about Moses, he was leading the people. And as he led the people, there was miracle after miracle. But they still murmured and complained as soon as they hit another obstacle. Their faith, boom, gone. What do they want to do? Create a golden calf. I'm sorry, but we're very similar. We create our golden calves. We don't even realize that we may have some right now. Right? And God's saying, I actually want that dead and gone. You know, and then I think of Moses. I think, wow, what an amazing journey. He's leading the children of Israel. He's got an army behind him. And then God says to raise a staff and the sea is going to part. I would love to see any of you take the first step in that sea. Think of that sea, right? Come on. On each side, the walls are high. You know it can cave in at any time. But why did he enter the sea? Because Jesus was already in there. And he knew that. And he had faith, right? Moses didn't stop. I mean, you know, I want to share this real quick. Like, right, I went to Africa, what, like in March. You know, and I went in March and we're in the middle of COVID. You know, some people were saying go. And I had a lot of people saying you shouldn't do this. Why not? Because a million things could go wrong. Don't you know it's COVID? Don't you know this is going on? I'm like, well, no kidding. A million things can go wrong. I'm going in a plane for 16 to 20 hours. That's 35,000 feet above the ground. I'm landing in a country where COVID's probably the least of their worries. They got malaria and every other disease. And they're looking at us thinking, what's the big deal? (laughs) I mean... I could have stayed home because it would have been the easier thing to do because I hate jet lag, right? I do, don't you? You guys are going to hate it too. You've had it, you know, it's terrible. Would have been way easier. I would have felt safer. No, God said go. He's not concerned about everything else. He said go. So one response, you go, right? 
What I didn't know is this, that people were going to get saved. What I didn't know was this, that people were going to get delivered, right? People were going to get free. So I'm going to declare something right now because we hear this too much, right? A million things could go wrong. Let's change. A million things can go right. Can we actually declare a million things can go right, right? There's something in us. For some reason, we jump on these statements, and then they become our truth without us actually saying it. Many of us live this way now. We don't even realize it. And we're stuck in it. A million things could go right. A million things could go right. A million things could go right. Why do we jump to the other side so quickly? Right? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay in my safety net because a million things could go wrong. Okay, I'm kind of out of time, but you're going to stay a little late. Is that okay? Because I watched the service last week. I know it went a little late. Cindy, is it okay if I go like five more minutes? All right, thank you. I love you, Cindy. Five, six, right? We'll see how it goes. Okay, I, I'm going to do this part quick because I just I feel this. The importance of discipleship right now is so valuable. And I'm going to shift this back into what we're doing this next Sunday, right? This is so important because God's trusting us with something. And we have to go into it by faith, right? Again, that's it. We have no other option. He's trusting us actually to go further and deeper in the community. He's trusting the the Christian, you know, fellowship church as well, right? He's trusting the churches in Spruce Grove to go further and deeper. And I'm going to tell you this. We need to be discipling our nation. We need to be discipling our city. We have to do this, right? Because if we look at the secular community, I have never seen... Right? In my lifetime, I know some of you probably would say back in Pierre Elliott Trudeau's time, you saw some pretty crazy things happen. Right? Like if we actually go back to them, if we think about this, right? Before he came in, it was an actual requirement in schools that you took a religious class. Right? They talked about our, our Christian faith in the schools. Right? That's what they did. They all did it. You know, again, when he came in, he opened the door that, well, we have to open it to everybody, and they actually shut down the program shortly after that, right? Massive shift in our community, right? Sorry, in our nation, massive shift, you know? So I, in my lifetime, I've actually never seen a time where the secular community, the spirit of secularism has been so bold. I mean, they are screaming from every platform. They're screaming their truth everywhere I mean when I was in Cambodia you know Cambodia actually at one point pretty much had a zero uh, increase in Christians like they, they just couldn't get anybody saved and so the, the church learned something right they actually started to get into the schools in Cambodia because they realized they were in a third world nation and they could get into the schools and what did they do in the schools they started raising the kids up as Christians. Cambodia today has a 3.5% Christian growth rate, more than Canada, right? In a Buddhist nation, right? I mean, I've literally watched the enemy do the same thing in our nation right now. He's doing it with our kids in the schools. I mean, you've got to think about this. As bad as it is now, the stuff we're seeing, think of it in 10 to 15 years. It gets hard. Can we put these slides up real quick? You got the first one? I just want you to see something. The district actually uh, showed me some of these slides, and I said, I want to show you guys this. Because if we go back to 1900, this is kind of how it looked right here, right? Christianity was at an 89% rate. 
You know, if we go all the way down, you can see the different faiths, right? 3.5% traditional atheism was at 2%. Now, again, atheism, right, is not considered a faith. They have not been given that right, but they are considered a movement. So if we go up to uh, the next one, go, uh, we see, okay, atheism's at 2.2%. The Christian rate actually went up, right? So we go back to the next one. Christian rate dropped a bit. Traditionalism went up. Atheism went up. We go to the next one. Right? Christianity drops again. Atheism doubles in our nation. You seeing this? Let's keep going. Counted to join my brothers. When <laughs> 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 that is good. Okay, so we hit 1990. We're sitting at 70% basically. Atheism. You see the number? Let's go to the next one. 65%, 22%. Let's go. To, do we have a next one? Is that the last one? Yeah. There's where we're sitting. Okay? Are we seeing something? <laughs> Atheism is growing at the fastest rate. Why? Well, I just see it as the way it is. They're discipling our nation that way. This is the importance of the church. We actually have to step in and do something about this. Right? We actually have to disciple the nations. We can't be just inward focused. We have to disciple the nations. I mean, if we look into Lance Walno and all these guys, they all teach the seven mountains. And if you don't know it, look it up. That as believers, we need to get into every area and influence. Right? As believers, we need to do something about this number. You know, I read an article that said they believe it's almost uh, at par now. Now, I don't know if that's true. They did a survey like on 5,000 people, so I'm not sure that's true. But I mean, this... This is what's going on in our nation. Now, I can tell you one thing that's been going on that whole time, too. People have been praying. I know that. But there's a next step in the phase. There's a next step in the phase. And I'm telling you, church, it's time to get out of our safety nets. We've got to do something about this because this number is not going to shift unless the church rises up. Right? Oh, I'm so out of time. All I'll say is this, is we are in a time, though, when I've never seen so many people looking for peace. The amount of people that are going to counselors and psychologists to get peace, the amount of people going to doctors to get a pill so they can have peace, right? I mean, again, the world portrays peace as retirement, you know, to be void of conflict, to have good neighbors. All that peace betrays. Right? There's one piece that changes everything, right? Yeah. And I think we know this. I just want to read this scripture. These things I have spoken to you that in me you have peace. In the world you have tribulations. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I mean, we could read six more, but because of time I won't. We have the peace the world needs. We have to give it to them. Yeah. We've got to figure this thing out. I want to read one final thing in closing. I don't know about you guys, but often, you know, God will download something in me, and he just spoke something to me, and I wrote it out. Uh, he does this when I, when I sleep most of the time, because it's when I finally shut up, right? I'm willing to listen to him a little bit more, right? Not letting the stuff consume my mind. But we weren't created to avoid trials and tribulations, but we were created to navigate through them and, in fact, overcome them. And I'm going to add, in fact, we're called to change them ourselves. Yeah. We weren't created for comfort and safety, 
This is actually a distorted concept of peace. We were created to cross lakes in the midst of storms, to cross seas when all odds are against us, to defeat armies that outnumber us. We are called to defeat lions. We're called to defeat cancer. We're called to defeat sickness of any kind. We're called to defeat anxiety and depression. We're called to defeat the very thing we're seeing going on in our world right now, the spirit of secularism. We're called to defeat it. And I believe we can. So I'm going to challenge us as a church, as God is developing your capacity, don't run from it, run into it. And as you build faith, right, it's going to change everything. This is the call to the church. Oh, God, may we not despise how you equip us, how you train us. Father, may we make an agreement with you that we're willing to put our safety nets down. And we're willing to actually, by faith, trust you in this journey. And we're willing to honor you in whatever it is you ask us to do. I'm going to ask you just to make that commitment in your heart. And then I'm going to challenge you as you leave today to follow through on this. And when it gets hard, I'm going to ask you just to keep pushing and to keep pushing. So, Father, give us the strength not to listen to the voice of the enemy who's going to try to stop us in our steps. He already has a message for each and every one of you. He's already preaching it in some of your ears, right? And he's going to try to let you just throw this out now. But I'm going to ask you to get into your word, see what the Lord wants us to do, meditate on it day and night, right? I'm going to ask you to make sure the word is hidden in your heart because he's going to start to build something up in you and the very things that you want to see happen, they're not just going to happen in here, folks. They're going to happen out there. Because when I think of revival, I'm not thinking of all of us coming up and we're all getting slain in the spirit, right? When I think of revival, I'm thinking of a city revival where everything changes, right? So God, get us to the place where we want to see transformation, not just in our homes, but everywhere. God, may we come in alignment fully with your word, your desires, your dreams. God, crush that fear that's in our hearts. Crush the anxiety, crush the depression, crush all those things that get in the way. Crush our insecurities. God, right now, I'm, I'm just believing that as we lay those down, that you're going to take them away. And I'm going to ask you, just lay them down. Give them to him. Let him take those things away. Father, let it be so in Jesus' name.